another episode for this week. Um, Before I get into this episode, I just wanted to give a little bit of a warning. This um, episode does contain a lot of sensitivity. Um, This podcast episode is a lot around um, body image and body dysmorphia. And I just wanted to let anyone know who is suffering or going through something like this to make sure if this episode does bring up anything, please talk to someone, um, please get some help. The Butterfly Foundation um, has amazing information on um, eating disorders, everything body image. So if you are suffering, please don't stay quiet. Please ask for help. Now, this little bit of an intro start to this episode is just going to be more factual. I just want to let everyone know the basics of what an eating disorder is and um, what body dysmorphia is and just having a little bit of a background before we get into the real majority juicy bit of the episode that I am also very excited for you all to listen to. One in 10 Australians um, can recognize the symptoms of an eating disorder and 1 million Australians are living with an eating disorder. So eating disorders are very common and approximately 2% of the general um, population suffer from body dysmorphia. So it is very common. I don't think I've met someone that hasn't at least suffered from one of the two. It's um, very common um, in saying that it shouldn't be normalized, but normalizing the help and normalizing the education around what it is definitely should be normalized and these conversations should be happening a lot more. Now a few facts Um, everyone experiences an eating disorder and everyone's body image story is very um, individualized anyone who has suffered with an eating disorder or anything like that their story their symptoms the symptoms, sorry, is very individualized. Eating disorders can present in various ways. Um, however, the, befa- the behaviors that associate with an eating disorder may be easily identifiable. Um, before I get into it, I just really, really want to um, get across that eating disorders, once again, are very individualized. The symptoms are and the risk factors are are definitely um, individualized. Um, An eating disorder isn't just about being restrictive. Um, It's not just about not wanting to eat and it's not about just wanting to lose weight. Um, Eating disorder, multiple factors go into it. Um, Some of them in combination can be genetics or generational. Um, It can be emotional. It can be psychological. It can be socio cultural influences it can be low self-esteem it can be body dissatisfaction as well as body dysmorphia so many factors go into it and an eating disorder is not easily diagnosable and even though I'm going to go into some of the categories I don't usually like putting eating disorders into categories just for the basic fact that everyone is different Everyone experiences an eating disorder different and everyone's factors are very different. 
But the most common diagnosable ones, medically speaking, are anorexia um, nervosa, which is basically categorized as a restrictive eating uh, process, so restrictive eating, restrictive dieting, more focused on weight gain or weight, essentially. Um, Bulimia nervosa is characterized characterized by repeated episodes of binge eating, followed by behaviors of purging or excessive exercise. Um, Other specified feeding and eating disorders, these may present with many symptoms of an eating disorder, but it doesn't meet a full criteria of the diagnosis, but is no less serious. When I say this, um, sometimes people can definitely present with symptoms of an eating disorder and they very much could be dealing with an eating disorder but because medically speaking it doesn't come under the criteria they might not be diagnosed with it so you may experience some sort of eating restrictiveness or um, dieting or compulsive eating or whatever um, you can still deal with that. It still comes under um, an eating disorder. It still comes under the fact that you are still going through something so sensitive and it is no less important. It is very much still important and it is still very much the same with getting treatment and the help that you need because if you don't, it will eventually progress into something that's potentially more criteria-based. Now, what else have I got here? Um, Disordered eating is very... It is where um, there is like an unhealthy habit and disturbed eating patterns. Um, They can include restrictive dieting, like I've said before, compulsive eating or even skipping meals. Um, Yeah, there are multiple other eating disorders and variations I could well and truly go into. But um, this is as far as I will go into it for now. But definitely send me a message on Instagram if you want me to go into more the medical side of an eating disorder. I would be happy to do another episode that is all about that. Now, body dysmorphia. Body dysmorphia is a disorder in which a person is overly preoccupied with a perceived flaw in their appearance. Um, You can also get this within gender and your muscle, so which is called gender dysmorphia and muscle dysmorphia. Um, Muscle dysmorphia is often the opposite to body dysmorphia, so it's more focused on muscle size and muscularity, um, which is often more common in males but not limited to and or in bodybuilding. Um, While there is nothing wrong with the sport, if it starts to interfere with life, it then can start to become quite a problem um yeah especially when um you're so used of that muscle mass you're so used to looking the way that you look and then um I guess coming into an off season or something like that and you're not prepared for that um or yeah it's definitely it's definitely a hard sport but um when you when you do it properly when you have the right training um it can be rewarding too Um, but yes someone who's been doing that for quite some time and someone who 
is not coping um, can very much uh, lead into some sort of eating disorder if it's if it's not done correctly and if it's not um, if you're not aware and if you're yeah leading into some unhealthy dieting or eating habits yeah eating disorder myths I just want to get into um, things that are not true people are looking for attention eating disorders only affect women and young adolescents you can tell by looking at someone that they have one it is the person's fault eating disorders are benign these are things that I've heard these are things that I've read online these are so many things that people have said about eating disorders or even body dysmorphia it is all a myth it is all a lie these are shocking things honestly eating disorders are very much a thing um it is very common and it is something that seriously needs addressing um with social media influences it is becoming a more frequent thing um and is it is a topic of discussion that we should be talking more about um and this is why i've created this episode today and this is why i have this lovely friend of mine who is coming on that I'm about to introduce and you're about to listen to the interview slash conversation that we have together. I'm very excited um, for you guys to listen to it and I think it will definitely open a lot of doors and I think it will definitely open a lot of conversation starters. So yeah, let's get into it and uh, I hope you love this episode as much as I do. Welcome to another episode of Talking Body. I am here with one of my good friends now. We literally only met two weeks ago. How funny is that? Um, in dance class. Shout out to Pure Funk. <laughs> Love you, Pure Funk. <laughs> um, heels class, by the way. So we are on here and we're going to be talking everything about body image, body dysmorphia, um, negative body image, um, maybe even a little bit around eating disorders or I might discuss that in the first little part of the intro episode. Um, but yeah, hello everyone and welcome Jade. <laughs> hello, thank you for having me. That is this okay. is so exciting. I've never done a podcast so um, I'm a bit nervous. We're, we're all new, <laughs> that's okay. I've always, I'm always nervous before an episode, like let's be honest. But also like all my friends know that I've got a lot to say so this is good. Oh yeah, I feel like a we're very moment. chatty people so we vibe. Um, <laughs> yeah. We've always got things to say, we've always got opinions to share. Absolutely, I've but got okay. absolutely opinions. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely opinions. <laughs> it's okay, we will accept it on here because we accept everything. Oh, and thank you. Oh, this is the type of community that we are creating right here. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, where are you from? Obviously, you're new to Adelaide. So mm. welcome to the Adelaide side of Australia. Thanks. South Australia. The bottom of Australia. Mm. Yeah, so I'm from New South Wales originally, um, born and bred. <laughs> so like south of Sydney, it's a small town called Kiama. Um, beautiful spot. And then I moved... I left there from when was that? I moved to Queensland, so far north Queensland in Cairns last July. Uh, so it's coming coming up to almost 
a year. Yeah. It's not even been a year. And so I'm like, exciting. how am I in my third state? Anyway, um, so I moved to Cairns last year. I just had this like really intuitive pull to just leave everything behind and just start again and just like I love that just be absolutely like free-spirited and just go with it so I did have a really good friend up in Cairns so I moved up there and kind of had like her support and their family um and then I met my other friend up there on Flatmates. Shout out to Flatmates. Love you. Um, <laughs> Recommend. Yeah. <laughs> we love Flatmates. And so I met her and lived with her. And then she actually moved to Adelaide with me. Um, we don't live together now, though. She's with her partner. But yeah, I was like, oh, you know what? I'll just come along. I've never been to Adelaide. Like, I was kind of felt like I outgrew cans so I was like may as well give it a go again like I know cans isn't my home forever sort of thing so here I am um it's been about three months I Mm -hmm. think I've been here yeah um and it's been challenging I'm Mm -hmm. not gonna lie it's been very very challenging of course and um I think I'm finding the the weather side of things and like the the, (laughs) everyone's retreating and it's I'm I just want to be outside I want to be frolicking in the sun in the water all Mm -hmm. that sort of stuff but obviously no we need to we need to do our winter period yep we have to relish in the winter (laughs) us Adelaide um people know what it's like Kansas total different story you can relish in whatever weather it hits you with yeah and it's very much like the opposite right now like it's beautiful swimming weather Uh right now so but summer was like this but just muggy and real hot it was kind of gross me and my friend Lauren would be so jealous like when I met you I messaged my (laughs) bestie straight away I was like Lauren I've just met someone from Cairns we're obsessed (laughs) yeah it's a beautiful place but I I know I knew when I got there that it wasn't my home yeah it was just such a good experience I've met so many amazing people one of my best friends or a couple of best friends now Mm -hmm. that I have from you know living up there um and like that's where I got back into dance like I found my studio and they're absolutely killing it right now because yeah. they they were a new studio. Yeah. Um. And yeah, it's just it it um it brought out so many parts of me that I feel like were not there until I moved. If that makes yeah. sense, like it just unleashed this other side of me. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Let's talk a little bit about the dance side of it. I haven't mm. put it in, but I feel like we need to. Mm. Like, how is dance? Like, what is dance to you? How is dance like? made you who you are like Mm. why do you love dance so much like such a silly question like why do you love dance yeah that's a really good question because you don't really get asked that like as an adult yeah um so I've danced like my whole life Mm so I think my mum put me in when I was like three um and I've always grown up dancing um as I got a little bit older uh, I'd say maybe high school just before high school I knew that I really loved it and honestly I've always struggled with anxiety and depression like I was diagnosed with that mm-hmm. probably about 11 or 12 yeah um and not knowing as a child like how to deal with that and what it even is yeah I knew that dance 
was a way for me to switch off from all of that like a release yeah absolutely and I am very creative in that sense I would make up dances like my family (laughs) my family knows like how much I love making up dances making up pieces um and so I think dance was a real coping strategy for me Mm -hmm. I just seem to adapt to that growing up yeah yeah I feel like it's in a way of expression for people too Absolutely. and I can definitely see that in your dance yeah so. I am very expressive through dance and as I got older I started to do more mm-hmm. I picked up a lot more classes and um got more I don't know I guess I pushed myself more with it like I wanted to do more and I wanted to know more I wanted to get better yeah it was just where I just put my my energy and then I actually left school in year 11 due to like my mental mm-hmm. state I couldn't finish school um and I started teaching dance oh at that's my something studio. I didn't know yeah I, I don't really talk about it a whole lot because it just doesn't come up yeah um So I started teaching dance as like my job because I had no idea what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I was so – I was in such a dark place. I was so very lost. And – but one thing I knew I loved was dance. Dance. So what you love, they say. Yeah. Yeah. So I did that for like five years. I taught competitive troops and stuff like that. And I think I had like at one point – I was up to like 25 classes so a week good. yeah that I was teaching yeah. and career-wise things can get I feel like with a lot of people career is something that is seen as a purpose mm. and people struggle with their why mm-hmm. people struggle with what they want to do but people also forget to lean into what they're passionate about and what they actually enjoy and what makes them happy so I feel like people always think about the financial money side of things which is also important obviously but but I think even to make you miserable I feel too people think like you have to leave school and know what what your career is for the next I don't know 10 years Mm -hmm. and that just was not the case for me in fact I've only just figured out at the age of 26 Mm -hmm. what I actually want to do as a career I think that's so normal (laughs) I think we need yeah we need to normalize that that. I feel like we also need to normalize like you said not just having one career but Mm. I know as a nurse already I've wanted to do this ever since I was bloody in year seven but the thing is it's good to have things on the side too obviously that I'm realizing now that it's nice to have other things that you can lean into because even though nursing might be half of my life it shouldn't be all of my life I've learned because it is so demanding and so stressful and if you're coming home and you're not winding down or taking time to yourself then you're going to get exhausted and then you will end up wanting to quit or you know you want to give up for other reasons other than the fact that you enjoy it you Mm -hmm. know so yeah I totally understand in that sense like you even if you have to trial a few things before you get there yeah and I think once so once I left that job and I kind of was starting to see that I wanted to do other things um was just getting pulled in other directions I guess Mm -hmm. I stopped dancing for a few years and then when I moved to Cairns I found a studio and I was like I am just itching to dance like I my body is just like I need to just release and I need to 
have that fun and that playful side Mm -hmm. and just like that social side and I just loved it like I cannot explain the feeling Mm -hmm. and I was like just radiating (laughs) like it literally just made me so happy and I was like I need to keep doing this yeah this is so important to me it's so dance is different like I know I did dance as well when I was younger but I stopped because it was more like not contemporary but also not it was more like obviously they only kind of adapted to a certain age so it wasn't like and then they the dance studio like I think went into financial crisis or something and then it stopped (laughs) as well so it was a little bit hard but I've always wanted to pick it up again but never knew when never knew who threw Mm. never knew how and I've always had a little bit of rhythm like my friends like will go out to a club or something and I am obsessed with music like I love a good music festival I could pick out artists like I bloody love music music if music was not a thing in this world I think I would cry like Mm. music is such a big part of me and I haven't realized that until I've gotten older so then now that I've tried to tap into it I totally get what you mean like it's just so much fun and I feel like when you get to a certain age moving your body in such a sensual way is almost empowering it's so empowering and like there were times where I would leave dance you know last year and cans and be like fuck yeah I just absolutely <laughs> smashed yeah. that there'd be times also though on the other end of that where I'd be really hard on myself mm-hmm. and it was also just interesting to see how that still comes up as an adult mm-hmm. like I'm that not doing competitive dance real. I'm literally just going just to have fun yeah but you know that dialogue from when I was younger and just like wanting to be better and wanting to be noticed as well um was still coming up and I'm yeah. like mm, that's interesting so I did have to kind of work a lot around my mindset with mm-hmm. dance as well and I still do like yeah. oh my goodness like even starting this new studio again mm-hmm. it's like starting from scratch all over again kind yeah. of because you're in a new space you've got all these new people around you it's so intimidating it's really hard to push oh, yeah. yourself but and they've all been dancing with each other for yeah, years yeah yeah let's put and that you're in just there like the you're needle new. in the haystack that just pops out and like hey yeah <laughs> i love that <laughs> i say so many um like slang words or like you know little things like that and a lot of people have no idea what i'm talking about but thank you yeah, no. Nah. You, you know how we to do understand that. each other, Brooke. <laughs> I love the needle in the haystack. I always say something like, I don't know, spitting chips. Nobody understands what that means. Or like um, something with a B sometimes I always say. like, um, I can't even remember now. That's just ridiculous. It's probably because I'm putting myself on the spot. But like I always <laughs> say like something – slang I get from my dad yeah um, I I don't know where I picked up from actually I just had a thought one of my friends she says that threw me for a six oh and I I just it just cracks me (laughs) up because I'm like what does that even mean but I just love it it's like in between a dad joke but also like just the casual Australian slang bogan yeah yeah. if I were to say that to any of my like some of my city friends or even my international friends they'll be like Brooke can you just use English words? Like, what yeah, are you no, trying to explain? Yeah, kind of confuse people. Yeah, um, it's, it's a lot of fun. Anyway, now that we're getting into a little bit of mindset stuff, I feel mm. like we should start getting into our questions. 
One of them is how has negative body image and body dysmorphia affected you as a person? Did you want to start? I can mm. tap in later. But. Yeah, so honestly, upon reflection now, I can see that through childhood, mostly teens, I have always had a very, very negative mm-hmm. view of it. I've had very negative views of food. Mm-hmm. Um and I've been very judgmental of myself. Now, keeping in mind, like, I have known that I've had mental health condition or illnesses, whatever you want to call them, um, from a very young age. And I think I – it affected me a lot. It, I think it's always affected me. If I look back and I'm like, I can honestly say that, like, probably as an eight-year-old I was affected by um, – you know what food I was eating in terms of like the judgment um, I would put on myself and I was always very sporty and athletic Um, so I held that pride of like having that kind of body like very athletic looking you know people would say it to me um, you're very athletic you must be a swimmer I'm like no I'm not a swimmer I just have broad shoulders like um, and so I always had like a very toned athletic looking body I guess you could say mm-hmm. um but then I guess as I got a little bit older and I went through some harder situations that really all came to the surface and it was like almost like Jade you need to deal with these patterns yeah because here they are they're at the surface now yeah. and you can either go one of two ways um you can either drown or you can mm, it was very confronting and yeah, I'm happy we're having this conversation because I think it's it's a very tender topic mm-hmm. still. It's very – there's a lot of people out there that aren't aware of their own behaviours, their own things that they're saying mm-hmm. and that they're contributing to, you know, in terms of like society. Yeah, society and I things. feel like body positivity is something we're so focused on right now but – there's also a thing called toxic positivity and people just, yeah, they don't understand how we should be going about it and how we should be raising awareness about it and not – we're still – we're very good at being inclusive at the moment but we're, we're not into talking about the depth of it or the, you yeah. know, the unconscious reasoning behind it. For me, I guess I would say that um, social media has been like a huge impact for – body image for me and not just that comparison I think as a young girl um I developed quite early so literally I was nine years of age where I started developing tits like (laughs) it was crazy and I was you know going through the stages of having my period at the age of nine so it was very confronting for a little girl um and it was quite confronting for my you know my classmates too so um, I was always put on this, I guess, a little bit of a pedestal because I looked so different compared to all the girls that were obviously looked like little girls, but I looked like I was 16 in a nine-year-old's body type wow, vibe. Yeah. So I feel like I was always compared or I was always comparing myself and I was always waiting for that next girl to kind of, you know, get to my, not level, but like get to my side of womanhood so I could have someone 
to talk to about because at that point I had nobody to talk to about all these changes I was going through and what social media was doing to me that might not have been doing to those young girls quite yet but I was heavily comparing myself and because I'm a bit the same I've always had a little bit of an athletic body but my prominent area of muscle has always been to my legs so Mm. I've got very very powerful legs I say to myself but I've always so got a lot of meat on my backside so back then societal looks were very much on the you know the lean and skinny and no backside Um, things have changed a bit now thank you Kim Kardashian (laughs) like the pear shaped but like yeah I always wanted to to lose that weight off the bottom part of me just because it was you know it was something that you know not a lot of people accepted I guess um so that I think that was probably the hardest thing for me looking towards my body as a young girl was I always looked quite thick Mm. and then people would also be saying oh no you look good because you're thick and I'm like because it was starting yeah (laughs) I was just like it was starting to come in and it was starting to be like accepted but also I was like that's all that's all you say about like that's all you consider like I'm thick I was like I kind of almost hate the word like it's it's, because because it was so used I think it's become overused and I've become to almost dissociate with the word. I'm like, even though I'll have days where I'm like, yeah, I'm looking thick. I'll have a <laughs> nice bootay kind of yeah, thing. But like, you do have a nice bootay. <laughs> I feel like that, I don't know, thick just. It's got a negative meaning for you. Because yeah. Because how you've grown up and you've been put into that box. Yeah. Because I've put in, I've yeah. been put into the box me my entire life, yes. and I think as a young girl, I always tried to get myself out of that box. So, like you said, I think I've always had a negative perception with the word thick. Not that it means big, large, fat, or anything like that. But even when I was in my toxic relationship three years ago, her his mum would even refer to me as being, "Oh, you're not skinny." But you're not overweight you're just thick and I'm like why do we comment why what is that what even gives you the audacity to even that's put me in that, that category you feel good it's, that does not exactly <laughs> and it's it's not even like the word it's the category that yeah. people have always seemed to put me in mm. and I think so many girls would relate to that is because yes so many girls are, because everyone seems to think that our bodies are allowed to be talked about for mm. some reason our bodies are always a topic of conversation yeah. we're either skinny category we're either large category thick category whatever you want to name it yeah we've and made just, it such a topic it's yeah. it's so much focus is put on our bodies yeah and we don't sit here and go like hey guy like you're you're a thick guy or like yeah, you have we an don't, apple do bum we? like yeah <laughs> we don't sit there and do that and the society doesn't sit there and comment on a man's body so like why do we have to sit there and comment on a woman's body? Mm. Maybe, yeah. Anyway, have you got anything to add um, to that? I, that's really interesting. I actually really enjoy listening to that because mm. 
that's very different to my experience. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, thank you for sharing that. Because um, <laughs> I think, you. yeah, I definitely have friends, like I know friends that would be able to relate to that as well. So mm-hmm. I think that's awesome. Um, I was very, th- I was, I guess, deemed as like th- very thin growing mm-hmm. up. Um, obviously metabolism and whatnot was, mm-hmm. I was very athletic and very fit um actually probably to a unhealthy extent Mm -hmm. but that was exercise was my coping your release yeah as well as dance it was running it was playing netball it was all those things um so when I got older when I was like early 20s and I did start to put on a little bit of weight which is normal Mm -hmm. and that's fine I just want to say that yeah it wasn't something that I was aware of though mm-hmm. like I didn't really know at the time like I guess why it was happening there were other factors there were a yeah. lot of factors why you know I wasn't as active at that time I was going through so much I was in a lot of mental pain let's just say and so I did put on a bit of weight and then I feel like this label from when I was younger of like being really thin I was still like had to live up to that expectation Mm -hmm. yeah and not saying that that was the the reasoning behind my disordered eating that followed from that um I think there are so many factors into why people go down Oh, yeah. um, really bad paths with eating and it becomes a really bad toxic cycle for it yeah it happens for many reasons and no one's ever the same but for me I can see that I have carried this being thin being like I was very tiny like athletic you know all those things I've carried those labels with me and I still am so hard on myself right now because I'm I'm not meeting those standards in my head I guess Mm -hmm. you could say because I I don't look the same it's a constant battle between being happy with how you look and also there are days where you know you you have shitty days and you look at yourself and you're like I'm feeling a little bit bloated or something Mm -hmm. like that like it I feel like it's a constant battle no matter how many times you do change your mindset or as I would say, you know, talk positively about yourself. It is a constant day-to-day practice and it's it's not easy. Some people like to have those quick fixes and I feel like it's 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 not that simple because you're having a relationship with yourself and like a relationship with yourself, it's a, like a relationship with someone else. It's mm-hmm. ongoing. Yes. Which means it's an ongoing progression. It's an ongoing fix. It's an ongoing whatever you want to name it connection you have to keep on working at it because if you don't like with friends if you don't work at your relationship with your friends Mm, it doesn't exist it doesn't (laughs) exist so what makes you think that not having that ongoing relationship with yourself and it's also being aware like there's so much awareness it's confronting and it's because we've been conditioned to believe differently about our bodies and to be so horrible to ourselves Mm -hmm. but like there's such a lack of awareness of like you know what's going on in our thoughts and what's happening you know like when I 
because when I go to the gym now, I'll be honest, I really struggle with the mirrors mm-hmm. and I'm really fixated on the mirrors. And how you're looking, I will mm-hmm. admit. Uh, oh, well, probably everybody, like, yeah. right? But we just don't talk about this. We don't talk about it, no. I'm the same, but I'm almost the opposite. I'm like, damn, I look good and I'm happy with how I look. But because they're there, I will glance whenever mm-hmm. I walk past and be like oh is that pump still going or do I still look good like yeah and what even is good yeah like what yeah. we all have a different version mm-hmm. of what good is mm-hmm. but we just have them imprinted in our brain and it's like if we're not meeting that standard that day then we've failed mm-hmm. that's my take on it that's how yeah. I feel and even the most positive person out there will have those days. I'm telling you now, even those people that look amazing on Instagram or a lot of the girls that I know in the gym are exactly the same. Even if they are the most toned girls out there, they will still be looking in that mirror, have a slight you know, body dysmorphic moment and be like, is there anything happening? Mm. Like, mm-hmm. do I look okay in my head or what whatever their view is whatever their individual idea of themselves is I feel like everyone goes through that it's it's almost undeniably like you can't you can't help but it's like inevitable yeah like at some point you're gonna yeah absolutely I totally agree and I think as young girls as well like it's not taught to them it's not spoken about Mm mm-hmm and they're just expected to go through this go alone. through this and like Instagram and like Instagram is great but it is so toxic and if you're not aware of how it can be toxic mm-hmm. and how that looks and you've already All got some anxious girls. thoughts yeah. and you've already got like this conditioning of like don't eat that because it's going to make you fat and you know stay away from sugar because sugar's bad for you and we label all these things yeah, or don't eat carbs oh, yeah sorry exactly don't listen to that yeah eat carbs <laughs> eat carbs, carbs. Are good. we need to eat all of it we need yeah. to eat sugar as well like yeah. it's it's so important our body wants that for a reason mm-hmm. and these girls are just expected to or anyone even guys too i'm not just saying yeah oh my gosh guys are just as bad yeah. i've spoken to so many men um, over the last couple of years because I've developed my male relationships too because I used to be so female dominated in my friendships mm. um, and now I've got a few more male ones which is so good I lacked a lot of male relationships when I was younger for certain reasons and that's probably because of the people that I was around didn't allow me to have them um but just listening to their stories as well. Yes. Um, I'm so excited to dive into the male side of things I as well. I'm keen to hear that too. Because uh, it's, it's not crazy. spoken about again. No. It's another – Because it's a, it's a masculine – it's a masculinity thing they're not allowed to. Mm. Well, they feel like they're not allowed to. Exactly. And the thoughts that go through their head, man, oh, yeah, probably just as just bad as, as bad. women. Yep. Um, and it's – yeah, it's, it's scary to think about – how people view themselves when Absolutely. everyone's so beautiful in their own damn way I know and this is the thing that I come back to because I'm so hard on myself and I'm I work on that every single day mm-hmm. but 
I'm like, I would never think this of any of my friends. I would never say that to any of my friends. I know, right? Because it's not, it's not like, so it like, doesn't even feel real. Like, mm. that's so far from the truth. So, like, why are we saying it to why, ourselves? Yeah. And it's because it's repetitive patterns. It's uh-huh. what I've done as a child, as a teen, and yep. now as an adult. It's and almost it's routine. To break yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And being aware of it. Again, awareness is like my favorite word. Yeah. Let's start getting to a bit of the mindset now. How have you managed to overcome these negative body image thoughts, negative mindset spirals, whatever, you know? How have you kind of evolved, should I say? Mm. Um, Or made things better, should I say? When I was in the – like – in the real midst of my disordered eating, I was already seeing a psychologist. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd been with her for quite a few years already. Yeah. And I also had to start seeing a dietitian as well, um, which I'd never seen a dietitian. Mm-hmm. Both of their support and knowledge and just like holding space for me to talk about how I was feeling about my body and also why I was acting in those those behaviors were coming up Mm -hmm. that was really beneficial for me because it gave me a lot of understanding of where they were stemming from yeah rather than just acting out that well this is just who I am this is just what I do it was like piecing the puzzle together like where is it really coming from what are you really like covering up or why do you feel a need to control with your food sort of thing so I think that sort of therapy was I was I'm so grateful to have had that um support I think now I definitely have not overcome it Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. I think it is it's an ongoing battle it really really is and it's I talk to a lot of people about it openly and they're like oh I struggle with that too so I think Mm -hmm. it's pretty (sighs) common I'm not Mm going to say it's normal Mm -hmm. because I don't think we should put it in I don't think we should we shouldn't yeah normalize but we should normalize the fact that a lot of people exactly do suffer yeah from all of this um yeah I totally agree I think once again it comes down to awareness once you start being aware of what you're doing and actually breaking down those habits, those thoughts, starting to put purpose and why behind everything that you think and really just being learning to be more self-aware but also being aware of the words that you speak to yourself and trying to also break that toxic positivity like being aware of that and somehow I still I still struggle with it but I think I'm because I'm learnt to be more self-aware I can pick up on when I'm being like that towards myself and then I can quickly manage to flip the card a little bit yeah because I've been so aware about it but I think 
you always got to start somewhere that can't just happen yeah and like uh, I think said, awareness again I think that's yeah. where it starts because then you can start to be like well, that's inter- interesting that I had that thought like uh-huh. and my psychologist has always said to me where is your evidence for that mm-hmm. so like that w- that goes for anything it was like where is your evidence that you know you are fat mm-hmm. let's just say like yeah where is your evidence mm-hmm. and I'm like um well you know I don't know I just think it yeah like that's not that's not evidence that's not evidence yeah and another thing that I was um taught to do was exposure therapy so Mm -hmm. I can get really in my head about what clothes I'm wearing and I still do Mm -hmm. I get really fixated on my stomach for some reason that has always been just where I'm I will spiral the most is I'm always worried about my stomach and how that looks. And I, I agree. I was like that actually. Yeah. And I still, I, yeah, every day I'm still battling that. Yeah. Um, and I was told, you know, like what's the worst thing that's going to happen if you Mm -hmm. wear that top? Yeah. What's going to happen? And I'm like, uh, I'm going to feel pretty anxious. I'm going to feel like everybody's staring at me. Mm -hmm. I'm going to feel like, people are judging me and and then it was kind of like can you wear that top let's just say it's a top like a tight top to the gym right mm-hmm. just as an example yeah can you wear that top there and then leave the gym and still be okay like are yeah. you are you gonna die yeah yeah oh I I actually remember that thought process going mm-hmm. through with my psychologist as well but this was about panic attacks yes yeah so I think they yeah they use it in like all forms of life but it was really ingrained in me in my disordered eating time because I was having a lot of fear of a lot of things yeah I was restricting so much mm-hmm. um and it was just little baby steps of like okay can you can you go out and eat that mm-hmm. what's gonna happen yeah you know you're still gonna be the same person yeah you're still gonna have the normal life that you live you're still gonna be in the same body like nothing it's the fear of like something catastrophic is gonna happen if I do that thing yeah and it's and it amplifies in our brain because we just don't we haven't recognized it Mm -hmm. and so it makes sense to us but Mm -hmm. once I started doing that it was almost like I could see that that was really benefiting me of just like stepping out of that comfort and I do that in all aspects of life now yeah hence moving to Adelaide yeah I was gonna say you're Um, the most (laughs) I look up to you you're the most one of the most bravest people I've met when you've said that you've moved all over the place I'm like that girl has some stamina that girl has courage that girl can do whatever the fuck she wants you know what's funny with that this is a little bit off topic mm-hmm. i used to be the quietest mm-hmm. shyest person so i was homesick from i couldn't even stay at friends houses as a kid even some of my teen years mm-hmm. i was so anxiously attached and mm-hmm. codependent and all of those words i was this little anxious being of so, like i can't do anything i can't go anywhere and I think that's why it's really important to me now to be like, uh-huh. push yourself, get uncomfortable. Yeah. Me right now being here, I'm feeling oh, so uncomfortable. I love to hear that. That's so. Good. That's actually so me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
That is why this is why we're friends. Yeah, duh. (laughs) This is why I pushed myself to go to boarding school. I knew I needed it. Wow. Oh, I didn't know that either. Yeah, it was only like an hour and a bit away from home, but still, I did it. Um, that's why I pushed myself to move out of home because I was like, not only did I need to get uncomfortable, but I needed that independent. I've always been independent ever since I was a young child, even though I love my parents dearly. And I went through a phase of my life where through my teenage years when I was dealing with grief, I stayed by my parents' side for about a year. I would not go see friends. Even even if I would, I felt like I had to quickly go back to mum and dad because that was my safe space. Mm. Um, I felt like something would ha- badly would happen to me if um, if I wasn't nearby them. I think for a period of time... I even had to sleep, not in the same room, but like close by or I would wake up at night and, you know, go see them because I was just so anxious. That's what yeah. grief had done to me. It was yeah. once you lose someone, everything changes, I find. Yeah. It changes everything. And that's where my, I think, another story of my body story started happening was Mm. when I started experiencing grief for the first time yes grief is actually it wrecks you yeah it's because when I was the pain when I was first this whole disordered eating was unraveling that was grief Mm -hmm. it was grief and I didn't know what to do with it Mm -hmm. and I didn't know it was meant to be there and I didn't know how to sit with that discomfort Mm -hmm. so what I wanted to do was control Uh because every other part of my life felt so out of control I was coming out of a six-year relationship Mm -hmm. I'd moved out of home I um had recently changed jobs which was massive these were all massive things for me Mm -hmm. because I you know wasn't as courageous as I am now um and so there was a lot of anxiety and a lot of yeah lack of awareness and I think honestly the the pinpoint of where that all started was the grief Mm -hmm. it was this grief that had never been felt and never been I'd never been told or yeah like it just I don't know I just didn't have an awareness of what grief was like I was like well nobody's died yeah so why do I have grief yeah but grief comes in so many forms it It comes from like you know versions of ourselves that are no longer here anymore it Uh comes from Uh grieving your childhood it comes from grieving a relationship grieving a friendship that was another thing I was grieving was friendships Mm -hmm. as well I was going through so many like solid friendships that I'd had that I was now letting go Mm -hmm. and I was yeah honestly I'm like how did I I'm proud of myself for getting through that because it was so so hard and it was so painful and that's where the control came in Uh to control the food because every other part of my life I couldn't control so I'm going to control the one thing that I can it was that and I also noticed I was cleaning a lot (laughs) yes because that was also a control thing too yes Um, Um, I think I'm a bit the same I I think um grief has definitely been something that I've struggled with the most in the past and control was probably something I I've been told I can I'm not a controlling person 
but I have controlling aspects and when life isn't going the way that I like I did tend in the past to grapple to control whether that was cleaning a little bit of OCD I have that in my runs in my family a little bit and um eating was something like that too and especially when you're a young girl you're bottling up feelings you don't know how to express a loss or anything like that I think it took a year for me to finally break down so I was Mm. strong for my parents I felt like I had to be strong otherwise something would collapse yeah so I think for about a solid year after I had experienced a family pass a family member pass away for about a solid year I somewhat maybe even six months I don't know held on to dear life and then everything kind of just fell apart but dieting was something that I could control Mm. I didn't realize how unhealthy the dieting that I was doing actually was I remember having mum pack me like a salad for lunch and then I would just put an apple in my bag as well and that was it and then I didn't realize that my metabolism was getting used to that so when all this grief was bottling up I then developed no appetite Mm. and then when I were to go try food I would feel sick yeah so I think that's also like you said earlier on in the episode that you know eating disorders for example can be um not just related to weight you know not just obsessive with what you look like but when you are dealing with things mentally especially depression or anxiety a common side effect of that is yeah it's non-appetite yeah Yeah. not wanting to eat losing those hunger sensations so which I'm actually experiencing at the moment like I'm aware that I'm in a lot of fight or flight and mm-hmm. I'm very uncomfortable very and nervous yeah very anxious like there's a lot of old behavior stemming coming up right now for me and thank god I am aware of it mm-hmm. I have a lot of knowledge you know how to that. yeah yeah but um I was just saying to Brooke earlier like before we actually started recording this episode that you know when I am stressed and when I'm in fight or flight I actually completely my body will just stop receiving the hunger cues Mm -hmm. it's all I don't know like scientifically how that works but I do know I can feel it I can feel that I'm not receiving the message to my brain to be like it's time for you to eat it just I get my stomach in a knot there's you know adrenaline is pumping because I feel like I'm in an unsafe environment which Mm -hmm. I'm not yeah but this is how fight or flight works yes and yes so to break that is really really challenging so my appetite right now is very minimal Mm -hmm. and I'm aware of that and now it's just moving through as gently and you know being really gentle with myself and being kind nurturing myself which is still something I'm learning Mm -hmm. (laughs) we're all learning yeah Yeah. but yeah I still experience it now but it just it's in a different form Form. yeah Yeah. and that's yeah that's so good that you're aware your your parathym your your parasympathetic nervous system is taking its time and your sympathetic is completely kicked in sounds like and like you said you're in that fight and flight mode oh, fucking love that 
saying (laughs) springing back psychology from high school (laughs) and then all your nursing neuroscience going on um I love that stuff. Um, we love science. Yeah. Go science. I don't love science, but oh, I, I love like psychology it. science, oh, if you yeah, know what yeah, I mean. Yeah. 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 So much better. <laughs> yes. Um, but, yeah, I, I totally get what, you, what you're talking about. And, yeah, that kind of moves into the question that I had about, like, the differences between some of your past experiences with food compared to your relationship with food now. Mm. It's, it's an ongoing but the thing that I think has changed from what we've talked about so far is not being restrictive. Yeah. Is absolutely. in the past so restrictive, cutting out carbs, fats, sugar, like you said, but now just having that balance. Yeah, I yeah, restricted everything. Um I didn't even purposely like I wasn't like let's restrict sugar it was like just everything Mm -hmm. (laughs) I just restricted everything let's just not eat anything yeah it's basically that was my approach Mm -hmm. um please don't do that uh yeah I think now I'm aware of the labels I have put on food like Mm -hmm. why do I think that that food why do I think that biscuit is a bad food why have I put bad as the label like that's such a negative label yeah and then I'm like well because it's got so much sugar in it Mm. and sugar's bad Mm. why do I think that sugar's really bad yeah yeah because we do need it Mm -hmm. and we're allowed to eat it I'm not going to put on 10 kilos by eating that biscuit you know maybe if I was eating the whole packet of biscuits every single day for every day of my life then yes that is that's not good for you Mm -hmm. but there's just such a lack of knowledge in how we're using these terms. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. I think what turned things around for me is I found that I was, I was cutting out a lot of carbs out and I used to tell myself I was gluten-free. Only if you're gluten-free or gluten intolerant do this. I was telling myself I was gluten-free because I was getting bloated a lot. Yes. Okay. I was making the wrong decisions just because I thought something was hindering me instead of actually getting the advice but I was telling myself that because I thought that was working for me and that was how I was going to lose weight or whatever it was going to be but it wasn't until I was educated education is key guys that carbs is what fuels your brain and your body we actually really need them (laughs) you actually need them probably more than most things and same with protein it wasn't until I started realising if I want to do a certain activity, well, you should be fueling your body to be able to do that activity. Otherwise, what makes you think you're going to have the energy to perform to your maximum yeah. level? And I was like, well, I want to perform to my maximum level. Yeah. So, like, give me those carbs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, like, for so long, I, you know, didn't understand. Like, mum would feed us spaghetti every Friday night because we had a netball game on Saturday mm-hmm. and I'd be like yeah food energy but I didn't understand what she meant by it right yeah and for so long I would cut it out or I would skip spaghetti nights or something like that I'm like oh that's so that's carbs mm. <laughs> sorry <laughs> I was like but you know that that's what you need you in need. order to perform yes. that's what athletes need um that's one thing I did really notice was my concentration and my mood was 
it was already suffering because like I was dealing with all the grief and there was all the change and all of that sort of stuff happening but when we don't eat um it affects our mood like Mm -hmm. it really really affects your mood and your concentration which like I feel like that is kind of common knowledge but um I noticed that like yeah when I'm when I haven't eaten I'm definitely my mood is a lot lower and doing that restrictive practice every single day and restricting like everything or if you're restricting like sugar every day and stuff like that like that's going to play a massive part in your mood because your body does need that Mm -hmm. um it's yeah not about like cutting one thing out and that's going to solve all your issues or replacing something with another yeah it's more yeah trying to have that balance and don't get me wrong people that are on specific diets for specific reasons totally understand especially if you're vegan like not dissing anyone Hmm. someone might be vegetarian like obviously there are beliefs and values that come under that but it's when you're restricting yourself in a unhealthy reason or for an unhealthy agenda specifically um if it's not controlled that's when things can get out of the way um obviously people that are bodybuilders or things that you know I've been doing in the past that's been very controlled and that's been because I've been watched by someone that's because I'm doing it appropriately and you know it's um you know you're not just getting watched and you're not dropping your own calories someone's doing that for you and um you're you're actually getting a little bit of therapy through the way too so Mm. Um, someone who is very much trained and qualified will also be helping you out with your mental state and will actually tell you if you're prepared to be able to do such a thing or not and I I think that's so important as well for people to know is that especially if they are getting into something like the gym because they're wanting to lose weight or something is to to have that education around dropping those calories because it's actually very crucial and very important to know why you're dropping those calories and how to drop those calories because everyone is a different body type which means that what one person's calories is is not the same as another person's calories and I've definitely learnt that Mm -hmm. like someone who's on 2,000 calories or 3,000 calories might not be the same for another person and that changes with female and males like you can't get mixed up and that's what social media does is that a a influencer or a bodybuilder let's say will post what they eat in a day but that's not necessarily what you should be eating a day because that's their calories and I think that's why it's important that people are now posting this is what I eat in a day but please these are my calories and that will be variable compared to where you sit at because it'll all come down to you know what you weigh what your height is yeah it's it's very individualized and people forget that and it's or it's, it's important like, well, to i let... want to look like her so i have to eat yeah i have to but eat what she's eating because then i'll look like her exactly and, and people need to know that it's it's individualized you, you can't you, you won't 100 look like someone else because i'm sorry to say your body's not like someone else you your own version so even though if you want something or if you want to look a certain way you shouldn't be looking at someone as I've learned that I've learned 
with comparison because that's something that I've struggled with the hardest in all of this topic of conversation is comparison is the worst and I would often do that but I've looked as it more as I've changed my thoughts to instead of wanting to be look to look like that person more to aspire Mm. so I might be like oh this person looks nice and fit but I don't want to look like her as such but I aspire to maybe work out like her or I aspire to be motivated like her you know just changing those words instead of being so attracted and so attached to the body point of view because you're not going to look like her one thing that I just remembered like I in therapy that I always was asked was Jade would you change your height I was like no Mm. would you change your eyes no Mm. would you change your hair nope yeah so why do you want to change your body Mm -hmm. like that is so like when you put it in the scope of things it's Mm -hmm. like oh that's really interesting Mm. and to be honest I actually just go to the gym because I need that chemical release Uh I actually am not going to look a certain way or to I think I've just detached from all of that now. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm actually, you know what? It actually just makes me feel good. Yeah. And, 100%. and I, it's like kind of like my drug in mm-hmm. a way. Like that is my therapy. Your medicine. My yeah. medicine. Exactly. Just like the sun is medicine and like getting in nature is medicine. Exercising is also medicine. Yeah. And when you can detach from how the result you want from that thing, like mm-hmm. I need to have a six pack yeah like when you can detach from that Uh then it's so much more enjoyable like you know and coming back to that well I wouldn't change my hair so why do I think that I need to change my stomach Mm -hmm. and like I said I still work on this every single day it's still a challenge but you couldn't have said it any better Mm -hmm. I totally agree I hadn't I've only just started going back to the gym from a bit of a long stretch and it was I didn't I didn't care about the fact that I'm not necessarily working my maybe I was more I did care about working my muscles because they were stiff and sore but like mentally I was my mood I could see the change in my mood I could feel the change in you know my brain concentration all those things at work I was just so exhausted from not not necessarily just being tired from work but but not having that stress release Mm -hmm. and that's how I got into the gym in the first place was to yeah which is why I think most people do yes because they just might not be aware of what it's actually doing to their body Mm -hmm. like you know on the inside but it yeah it is um a lot of people you're right yeah people will go they might look jacked as hell but main is probably because they go because it's their mental stimulation yeah, and they've probably majority of the time you know like got stuff going on as well mm-hmm. like I increased my exercise a lot when I was restricting mm-hmm. um so obviously that's very unhealthy but again I was in a lot of pain mentally that that was I knew subconsciously that that was how I was going to feel a little bit better was to get those chemicals so that's what I did Mm -hmm. um and 
you know, I think I've actually known that since a young child. Like yeah. that, that's probably where the athletic side of me has always stemmed from was I just love how it makes me feel. Yeah. Um, you know, like I actually don't really care about what how much I'm lifting, like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't really care how much I'm squatting. I just, I, the number side of things I've really stayed clear of, um, scales, calories, all of that sort of stuff. I've been pretty good with staying away from that because I know that I can get fixated on numbers. Um, and I'll look at other people's numbers Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. that can spiral. So I just kind of try to stay clear and I'm like, you know what? I just, I'm just going to try my best right now and just and see, like, so you know, can I put more weight on, you know? Like, yeah. maybe I can today, maybe I can't tomorrow. It doesn't yeah. really matter. Like, I'm still here. I've still showed up. Yeah. Uh, I love that. And I think it's important that you're aware of that. A lot of people will dive deep into something that they're aware of, but they will do it anyway because they're so fixated on that persona, that idea of what, they would like to see and even though that they know that it's bad for them they'll do it anyway and I think that's when you go down an unhealthy pathway and I think that's when you you get stuck and then you mm. start doing things that aren't necessarily good for you like someone who's training a lot and has experienced an off season or know what that's like they're prepared for that journey whereas someone that's full head you know like no I'm focused on the outcome Mm. instead of progressing on their mental health physical health and they're looking at that end goal yeah and asking yourself how does this make me feel Mm -hmm. like I know that dance makes me feel free and it makes Mm -hmm. me feel like empowered Mm -hmm. and like beautiful and alive and all those sorts of things like how does going to the gym make you feel like mm-hmm. because there's so many different exercises or like ways to move your body mm-hmm. especially like now we've got like pilates mm-hmm. and yoga like there's all those things that are very normalized now like the gym might not be how that might not make you feel good and mm-hmm. that's okay and it's important to to voice that and it and it will voice it to yourself and become aware of it and just like that's fine like yoga might be your thing exactly and I think it's important to also discuss that is that as much as I might like gym someone else might not and it's important to find your thing and it's important yeah to be honest with yourself because these days let's be honest gym is a trend it is such a trend um everyone loves gym um and if you're not there for the right reasons you you will you will be miserable and you won't enjoy it and you won't be present while you're there and you will be the girl or the person sorry boy or girl that just sits there and does nothing and probably will just end up taking pictures for majority of the time yeah and that's coming from an ego place like your ego is just wanting that validation and it's wanting um to feel seen and accepted Mm -hmm. and so we we do base that around our bodies a lot is like if I look good and if I am really muscly and like toned looking then people are going to like me more Uh so if I post this picture 
yeah. you know, people are going to comment and people are going to be like, oh my God, yeah. you look so good. And it, yeah. it gives you that chemical release again. Yes, your you're brain seeking is, that outside yeah. validation and not that self-validation. And I, I do see that a lot is I'm like, there's a lot of that going on mm-hmm. because people are just living so unconsciously for other people and they're not aware of their behaviors and patterns and thoughts and all those sorts of things and there's no like i'm such a why person like i ask uh-huh. why for everything i want to know I've i want to get to the, my why <laughs> i want to get to the bottom of it like tell yeah. me why you do that like mm-hmm. where does that come from you know like yeah how does that make you feel why does that make you feel like that like i unpack things yeah. to the next level but that's because I've trained my brain to be like that. I'm I'm the same. I've been doing that since I think it was since last year. I've been connecting more to my why. I've been connecting to m- more of my purpose and like why things make me feel certain ways and why I've decided why because I can be sometimes impulsive with if I want to do something. I would want to do it and I'll put my mindset on it but then I'll be like but why but now I've been training myself why do I want to do that yeah, thing and like where is that actually coming, coming from? from is it coming from a place of like this actually feels really good to me and mm-hmm. feels really aligned with the person I want to be or is it coming from a place of like I want this person to comment or I want yeah. this person's validation or maybe mm-hmm. like I'll get a lot of likes if I do yeah. this like then you know you're doing it for the wrong reasons yeah. there's something deeper going on there uh-huh. and you need to unpack that exactly which is what a lot of us don't do because mm-hmm. we don't know how to and we don't you know awareness isn't there yeah we love awareness exactly and I feel like we are definitely a generation or a society that focuses a lot on other people and not ourselves um for from a very young age I thought being um selfless was selfish yeah is that the right word I feel like I've, my brain's just gonna be funny yeah I thought that being like loving myself to an extent was selfish self-love was like self-love selfish. was selfish yeah, I, gotcha. I had not been brought up that way but I have been brought up to be helpful towards others and I think that's because for majority of my childhood I my family was looking after a lot of family members that were ill so I was brought up to give. to be caring to be a giving person yeah, and I've always you're a nurse yes exactly, exactly where that comes from so yeah. I've I've always been a giving person but I've always been a family orientated person because we've been so involved with our family and with our family's health and with caring and all of that stuff so yes I'm very a giving person so Mm. when which is why I'm so actually proud of myself for actually taking that leap and understanding that self-love is not selfish I've turned the tables around and I have recognized that I can be selfless and caring at the same time and I think that's so important and being a nurse it's important to actually understand that too because you can't be one thing because you got to be two you can't be one without the other you can't pour from an empty cup so mm-hmm. like i, I love, love that, that saying <laughs> like if yeah, you're said that the other day so many jobs and careers are very giving jobs like mm-hmm. we have to give mm-hmm. a lot to other people especially especially if you're serv- like being of service to other people mm-hmm. Um, you can't you 
literally can't pour from an empty cup if you're not looking after yourself and your mental health and your body and you're not you know kind of digging deep and asking those questions and feeling the uncomfortableness like I'm feeling right now um (laughs) of life then you know you are going to be pouring from an empty cup you are going to be living subconsciously you are going to be acting from old behaviors old patterns just from what you've grown up to do to cope to survive and that's so normal like that's just what the human brain does but doesn't mean that it's right like it's you can definitely change that and I think that a lot of us are living subconsciously we're just Mm -hmm. acting from you know we're acting from the same behavior we did when we were six years old because Mm -hmm. that's what we learned to do in that moment so we're repeating that pattern again yeah and And we haven't learned to unpack that yeah and it's then that's when you see like people burn out and stuff like that because they're not um they're not asking the why and getting to the bottom of what's going on Mm -hmm. with them you know mentally and physically I find that in just relationships too for example if someone's you know just gotten out of a relationship or something like if they continue on with those certain patterns that they you know they might have learned as a child or something you're gonna be talking about me right now (laughs) no 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 I'm kind of thinking of someone in particular like this is the old version of me I'm like I know exactly what you're gonna say like yeah like if you haven't unpacked that then you will keep living the same behavior yes you'll keep attracting and you'll keep attracting the same person (laughs) yep and I've definitely fucking oh yeah I've definitely learned that we've all learned that but like or you will keep going back to the same person if you know what I mean like you you'll find a new person but seeing the same behavior in them yeah because it's your it's actually a reflection of you yes (laughs) sorry to trigger some people but actually it's a reflection of you who you're attracting in your life and if you're not willing to put in the work, like you said, you would be just replacing that person with another person at their level. Yes. Like you – I explained this oh to you God. the other day at brunch. This is my language, guys. I <laughs> like just for love example, this. If, I love energy. If you – I said this like this ladder thing to you the other day. Like yes. if you, you are a seven – Yes. Tell, I, tell the ladder. I love I, the ladder. Let's, let's not get fixated on the numbers, okay? This Don't get fixated on the numbers. Say you are a seven. And you attracted a four, let's say, um, and they're a great person and everything, but for some reason, because they're a four, they can't give you what you need. So they leave you, you leave them, doesn't matter who. um, And then all of a sudden they gain another person not long after. It's probably because they're a four and they're not a seven and they can't, they it's found easier a for them. At their level. Yeah, they found a person at their level four, and even though that they probably would love to be with a seven, who mm. wouldn't love to be with a seven? Fucking <laughs> But it's you're because you're a ten, bro. <laughs> Not a so seven. You, you're a twelve. <laughs> I'll stop it. <laughs> but like, because yeah, who's going to work hard enough to get? Exactly. You know, like that's the thing. They don't want to do the work. They don't want to put in yeah. the work. And who's going to put in the work? Like it's uncomfortable. It's painful. It's uh-huh. confronting. It's there's grief. You know, there's all of those things. And that is probably why a lot of people sometimes will even go back to their exes as well. And not putting any shame on anyone. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, yeah, like I every know we've all we've different. all been there. Yeah. yeah, but 
if you're not willing to put in that work, if you're stuck in that lonely, looking for attention, like not wanting to, like you need to be, you need to absorb that. You need to sit with that. Yeah, you and, need to, like you said, sit with that fucking discomfort. Oh, it's and horrible. Sit in it, brew I won't, in it. I, I won't use brew a lot. I, huh? What'd you say? <laughs> I use brew a lot. Brew? If I'm tanning, I say brew. Oh, I, I love brew in that. that tan. Brewing. Brew. Okay. <laughs> Go brew in that steam. <laughs> sit in that smell. Sit in that stench. <laughs> I, yeah. Brewing has been a, a big thing for me, Brooke. Mm-hmm. Like, I have brewed. Oh, believe me. <laughs> I brew. I'm still brewing. Let's be honest. I <laughs> and that's the brew. thing. Like, I will never say to someone like, "Doing the work is easy." It's not easy. It the is work so, is never easy. I Life feel like I've easy. been doing this work for like over two years now, and it has been so confronting. But it has been life changing. I am mm-hmm. not anywhere near. In fact, I feel like I'm living a completely different life to the person I was two years ago. Oh yeah. I'm completely different. To the person different. I was a year ago, I'm even living a different oh, life. Six months ago. <laughs> yeah. Because when you're, when you're actively going deep and you're sitting in the discomfort, like get uncomfortable. Sorry, get comfortable with the uncomfortable. Yeah. If anyone knew me in high school, you don't oh, know same. me. Oh, same. You don't know me. <laughs> you don't know me. I am not the person I was nah. three, four years ago. Neither. Um, I'm completely different. I'm even like looking back at pictures and I'm like, I don't even recognize you. <laughs> I know. Like, I don't even recognize the people that I used to even surround myself with. Yeah. Like my and, but was, that's I'm how like, you know. Even, that's how what? you know when you've evolved. Mm-hmm. Um, well, when you've evolved with people yes, as well. Because correct. my yeah. bestie, shit, I had a – when we were in high school, we were completely different people. But when you – when you want to make a relationship work, you'll make a relationship work and we have actually grown together. So yeah. not saying that relationships won't last or you can't, but it's when a person is willing to grow with you. Yeah, I love that. Um, and, and that's in any kind of relationship. It doesn't have to be yeah, an intimate one. Absolutely. Like we have gone, we have gone apart, come back together. Like, yeah, but when you're willing, like yeah. yeah, but when you're willing to grow together to make that friendship stronger and even though you might be different you might be similar it doesn't matter when you're willing to make a life kind of what is it like this sounds kind of like marriageable I don't know but when you're willing to make that commitment to someone Mm -hmm. like and you're willing to grow together with someone that that friendship that relationships are life like yeah and I've definitely experienced that a loss of a lot of friendships Mm -hmm. because and at the time I didn't realize how much I was in changing internally my Mm -hmm. world was changing so much as a person yeah and that was reflecting in my friendships because those were breaking down and I was no longer able to meet those people at that level because like you said I was starting to go up a level you know maybe I was at a level three maybe even a level two (laughs) (laughs) let's just don't just let's not care about the numbers and then you know you start to make these changes and you start to become aware and you start to question why and you start to you know be like well like why am I feeling like this like it's okay to feel like this like just sit in this uncomfortableness yeah and then you continue to grow and then those friendships fall away or that relationship will fall away because you're not that person anymore. My God, that has been me to the absolute mm-hmm. T. That is like my life past like three years. Mm-hmm. Um, just so many people, 
in, out. Some people have stayed. Some people have been here the whole time. And that's yep. because they've also grown. Like you said, they've grown as well. Yeah. I agree. Um, let's get into the last, like, kind of couple two yeah, questions. Yeah, like we got a bit off topic. <laughs> yeah. Just giving but life advice now. Loving the conversation, though. Um, so the second to last one, the last one's, like, a perfect one to finish with. But this one, um, we're going to discuss a little bit about how we have learnt to accept ourselves and to learn what it is to love yourself. So what we know of self-love and, you know, what we've kind of done and what we've learnt about ourselves to know that we can kind of love ourselves. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, I, kind of I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Um, so what have we done? Ah, <laughs> uh, Self-love, self-love. Um putting ourselves first i guess like yeah absolutely learning to be boundaries more selfish i love boundaries Same. it's taken me a long time to learn them mm-hmm. but um i've i'm getting the gist of it mm-hmm. um no actually I, i'm pretty good with boundaries now but i think uh for me back on the grief thing just quickly like mm-hmm. allowing that to move through me and i still move through it you know i had a couple of weeks ago i was moving through some more grief and this could be over 10 years ago i'm like thinking yeah. about something and i'm grieving that oh, like that's yeah. normal and just having a lot of compassion for yourself because we all act out from a place of an inner child mm-hmm. we have a child version of us in us mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um child version of us in us if that yeah that makes sense um and we that's where our pain will usually stem from is an inner child um that can't make sense of the world so you know we do things to try and cope and I am learning to have a lot of compassion for that little jade um you know she's very cool she's very much like she's at the front of my mind right now because I am uncomfortable mm-hmm. and so I am seeing some old patterns come mm-hmm. up and I am seeing a lot of thought processes from when I was little that are yeah. coming back up and it's frustrating because mm-hmm. it's like I have worked so hard mm-hmm. I'm not that person anymore like why am I still thinking that but it's like the brain doesn't work like that yeah it doesn't it's not an overnight fix no it's a constant working at being aware questioning and like trying to change a little bit each time okay well if I think that how about I do this or how about I try this let's just see like how that makes me feel so I think having a lot of um compassion and just like a nurturing side for that little version of you that's still Mm -hmm. inside of you because we all have it Mm -hmm. and some people are living from that hurt version of them of their little child more than others because they haven't healed from things Mm -hmm um but for me yeah it's this is so like real and raw for me right now is Mm -hmm. um grieving that you know grieving with my little inner child Mm -hmm. and also holding her hand and being like hey you've felt like this before remember Mm -hmm. and you've made it through yeah and it's been you've gotten to the other side and you're doing so well like look how much absolutely you're on your own right now you've made it here on your own like and you're always reminding yourself of yeah, those things it that does you really done. take a lot of reflection uh-huh. and being like okay i love reflection that's another yeah. thing i'm, get, I'm trying to get really good at it because mm-hmm. i can be so like 
okay, what's the next thing? Like, mm-hmm. why am I not achieving anything? I've got nowhere this year and stuff. And I'm like, okay, actually, if we go back six months ago, mm-hmm. like yep. you've actually achieved a lot. I love, a lo- <laughs> I love self-reflection. I do that a lot more than I think I would do. I've always been like that as a young kid. I've always been very aware. I've always been – I can't think of the word, but I've always been very observant. Yeah, same. Um, and very – I'm observing everybody and everything all yeah, the time. Yeah, <laughs> and just really taking everything in and yeah. very self-reflective. And I, I think it all comes down to me kind of being – a young person in an older body. I know that yeah, sounds ridiculous, but no, it's I because get that all the time. you know I grew up so exactly. so, so early, and when you're physically around so much grief, like what and you emotionally, early, yeah, yeah, you do. You have to develop that. I had to grow up a lot older. quicker. Yeah, yep. I had to grow up quicker. As much as I like, uh, tried to stay in my childhood as much as I could. Like, don't get me wrong, I fucking love babies and Barbies and yeah, all of that stuff. Same. And, I tried to stay in that for as long as I could, but my body wouldn't allow me to because I was growing and emotionally dealing with a lot of grief and stress in the family was hard to stay in that younger version of myself. And I completely agree. I grieve that little girl. Mm. I grieve not having enough time with her. Yeah. And that's something... Oh, this is getting emotional now. <laughs> no, that's good. I, we love we love yeah, energy release. <laughs> like I, I've always said to myself, if I were to have a little girl, mm. it would be to keep her as young for as long yeah. as she can be to really just experience relish in that, relish in that being a child. And I feel like in some sort of way that got taken away from me too yeah. quickly. And I can definitely relate to that as well. Like yeah. in different ways. Um, it's that part of you that you had to grow up a little bit quicker. Mm-hmm. And I was the eldest of four or I am the eldest of four. Yeah. Uh, my sister's 12 years younger. So mm-hmm. she's quite a bit younger. So yeah, well. definitely I always took on that like motherly role. Mm-hmm. And so your role thing, model. Like I had very, um, my nan was always very unwell from a very young age. Mm-hmm. Um, who I was very, very close to. Mm-hmm. And I understand that. So I'm kind of – I can relate to what you're saying is like the emotional and psychological side of you grew up and ex- and was around a lot more, was visibly seeing people grieving, was visibly, you know, seeing that you needed to step up mm-hmm. even though you were still a child. Yeah. And – you were still playing with Barbies and you still wanted to just hang out with your friends and that's all you really cared about. Yeah. But, yeah, there's that side in mentally that yeah. had to change. But when quickly. life throws you a curveball, like it was like a, it was like I was living someone else's life, you know what I mean? Like one day it was fine and the next it completely changed. Once you go through something, as you would probably know, so life-changing – you go back to school and people are talking about what they saw on Instagram or yeah. what someone was wearing and it's you're just like so surface level. Yeah, and I I went yep. back to school and I was like Are you fucking kidding me? Wow, I have to surround yeah. myself with this shit. Yes. And I have to mentally put up with it as well as the grief that I'm already putting up with. Like yeah. I couldn't think of anything worse. And I think that's why I kind of uh 
separated, isolated myself for a little bit before I left to boarding school was because I couldn't connect with these people anymore. Because you'd grown so much in that time. Yeah, and I I tried to. Mm -hmm. I ended up finding a new group of friends at my old school before I went to boarding school because I connected with them better um, in the end. Um, And, you know, it's as sad as it all is, like, you know, all's fine and well, but at the time it was it was quite a stressful period where I found it really hard to connect and surround myself with people that were talking about meaningless Mm. well we're just having meaningless conversations Mm. and I just didn't want to have (laughs) those meaningless conversations I was actually having this conversation with my mum I think about a couple weeks ago saying you know I'm pretty like I'm proud of how I've evolved and that now reflecting back then I think this is why I probably struggled with my friendships in primary school yeah. was because of what us as a family went through mm-hmm. but back then I couldn't communicate yes. that to you mum because I you were unaware I was I was unaware mm-hmm. I was I was 14 years old mm-hmm. and I didn't know how to tell you that I couldn't connect with anyone anymore yeah. like yeah um and then because when you're young your mum or dad always think that you know it's someone else's issue or someone else to blame like you know the bullying or the or the maybe I was the bully like you never know but that wasn't it at all um yes there must there was teasing involved and there was bullying towards myself that was involved but like at the end of the day sometimes that's just not the you know the core issues well and I think that you know like you said grief can do so much and until you unpack unpack that um it comes with a lot of things like we've discussed today it it comes with body issues it comes with body dysmorphia it comes with eating disorders and it's so prominent in young girls teenage years even coming into your adulthood even you know mid-20s going through your 30s a lot of people struggle with it for life Mm -hmm. but that's because it's so hard and accepting yourself is so hard and that's something that is not always normalized to accept yourself no, because like we're not I really said taught to do that we're taught to like you know go get the Botox go get your hair dyed yeah go get your eyebrows done like all those things like we're taught to we're change taught about to, ourselves yeah, we're taught to change yeah. or we're taught to accept others yeah in order to love ourselves or to surround ourselves with people that we love in order to love ourselves but we've never actually taught how to fully accept nourish cherish and love our ourself mm. like let's strip away all the people that we have because yes we're humans we have to have human interaction and connection to physically live that's how we can survive yeah. but at the end of the day how are we going to survive with ourselves yeah and i think that's something you're not taught you're not taught about social media at school. You're not taught taught about body image. You're not taught taught about anatomy. You're not taught about male and female bodies. You're not taught about because it's 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 such a don't go there topic. It is. It's a it's, hush hush. It's a hush hush. It's all like you'll bullying, trigger that even bullying and like. But it's like, well, if I trigger someone, that's their issue. Grief isn't a topic at school. Mental health is barely a topic grief, at school. Oh my god, grief needs to be a subject because yeah. it's mental just... health needs to be a subject. I oh think. yeah, God, yeah. Um, health and mental health, I honestly think should yeah. be in the curriculum. Absolutely. 
um, it would definitely help out a lot of people. Yeah. Anyway, last question. Last question. <laughs> what have we learned about ourselves that has helped us transform into the people we are today? Finish with a positive oh, note. That's a really big question. <laughs> um, what have I learned? I've learned so much. I'm like pretty sure I'm going to write a book one day. <laughs> <laughs> that's me. Or a, a podcast because everyone knows I love to talk. Um, I think that's really hard to bring it down to one, like a few things. I know. Um, Even if just say a few, I think time, I know that sounds a bit odd, but as you grow up, as years go past, it's time that tells, if you know what I mean. Like mm. you've got to have time to heal. You've got to have time to grow you got to have – Yeah. I don't know. That just came to me all of a sudden. I'm like, I don't know. Time is definitely an aspect that has helped. I think, like, on that, though, is, like, accepting where you are. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really trying at the moment to embrace this discomfort mm-hmm. because – Evolve with it. Yeah, like, there's things happening internally that I can't see yet and there's things that are – taking place that I don't understand why and I can't see the big picture but we are always where we're meant to be Uh and we always have a choice we can either you know go down the same path that maybe like you've taken we've been conditioned to Mm -hmm. believe or um have maybe been in the (coughs) past or you can choose to evolve and get uncomfortable Mm -hmm. that's where it starts and i think i like that yeah i say that all the time to um people is like we always have a choice like when people like oh well i have to like no you don't have to you have a choice yeah you're choosing you are prioritizing something else and that can be really confronting for people and Mm -hmm. it is it is like this is what i mean it is so it's hard work but you will live life so much more with more fulfillment mm-hmm. when you can see that you have a choice yeah and you really unpack why uh-huh. you're choosing what you're choosing you know like yeah people that are on you know drugs and alcohol and all that stuff they make that choice they can it is hard it is very very hard to break mm-hmm. that i don't take that away and mm-hmm. don't you know not acknowledge that but it is a choice that they make every day to continue mm-hmm. just like it's a choice to you know abandon yourself or you know not work through what you're going through or you know dwelling on the fact that oh why do I always get handed this card or yeah you know what will be what will be and but yeah. coming down to choice as well I think is challenge you know yes you can't be comfortable the whole entire time you need to challenge yourself like you said sit in that discomfort challenge yourself take curious. that leap of faith be exactly curious. like my psychologist always said jay just get curious mm-hmm. and that's stuck with me forever i'm like yeah i'm really curious what this is teaching me right mm-hmm. now because i can't see the lesson there's lessons in everything guys yeah. oh my god there's oh lessons in everything we do every interaction we come mm-hmm. across every challenge everything there's something that we're that is happening because we need to learn it oh absolutely and if you don't learn it you'll get the same challenge uh-huh. again but if you and it will take us some time like you know you might get given the same card a few times and you're like real frustrated but uh-huh, believe me you'll get there because yeah same <laughs> um 
And once you can recognize, oh, okay, mm-hmm. that's why, you know. And yeah, I think there's a lot of like C words that we just said, like curiosity, like yeah. challenged, um, courage, curious. courage. Yeah, my psychologist Faith. made a list of Faith all is a these big words. Word for me. <laughs> um, and she was like, these are the words that you need to just like embody. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I've definitely stuck with that because. I'm like, how can I be courageous, you know, because I really want to shrink myself right now and I really mm. want to hide in a hole and this is, yeah. feels really scary and I I don't know if I can do this, but how can I be create courageous uh-huh. because nothing can hurt me. Exactly. So, I don't know, I kind of went a bit off topic there, no, but like I, like it. I feel like, I like it all it. kind of intertwines. It's they just do. changing that talk a little bit and being like, well, why can't I do that? Who said that I can't? Do exactly like nobody said that or maybe someone did say that but like look at their life you know? yeah no I like that I think faith and trust is another one for me as much as in the past I've found it really hard to trust people I think having that faith and I think with a little bit of my spiritual and slightly religious background faith is something that I've always leaned into yeah um but another one that I've been leaning into a lot is what my parents say honestly your parents are your best advice givers like when you're a child you want nothing to hear of your children (laughs) um I mean parents but lately I could not thank my parents enough today like my dad is so wise and every now and then you know I have a conversation with mum and I'll be down and then mum will tell dad and then dad you know will either ring me up on the phone or be like so hey I've you know your mother's told me this um feeling a bit down okay let's let's talk let's unpack this I'm so proud of my dad for doing this because in the past you know he's not he hasn't been as open but now he's like okay so like when my mum knows that something's happened she'll go to dad and she'll be like Troy do the pep talk (laughs) so bring out the pep talk yeah so dad brings it down and there are some things that will never leave me with my dad my dad has told me to never give up to always take opportunity when you receive. Um, he's taught me to be very gracious. He's taught me to be very respectful. And he's taught me to be... To not... I know that spoil isn't the word, but he's brought me up to get... If I want something, to go get it myself. Mm-hmm. To not rely on... Yes, and he, he might not know that my independence has probably come from what he's taught me. Mm. He's always like, a couple of years ago, he was a little bit scared. He was like, Brooke, you don't need me anymore. You're so independent. Yeah, like, well, they've got to grieve that part of and they, us as well. Oh, like. and they, I think they're grieving it hard. <laughs> but I feel like just saying to mum and dad, like, you've taught me to be, like, you, the reason why I am like this is because of you. Like, you know, mm. thanks to you, I can now say that, when I go to the gym, let's just say in an everyday cycle, if I won't give up because I can just hear my dad saying, don't give up until you are so – until you've fucking tried your f- all. Until you've given it all, then you can give up. You know, like until you have given it all you can and you've tried your hardest and you've done everything that you possibly can, then can you finally say – I've won. Yeah. And it sounds competitive, but that's because growing up, 
I've always been quite sporty. My dad's been sporty. So his life left lessons literally evolve around that kind of competitive, like, inspiration, like, advice, you know, like, you see all those movies and they're like, you know, like, you have all these coaches being like this. My dad is very much like that person who'll be like, do not give up until you've given it all. Then you can finally say to yourself that you've done your best. Mm. Like, what better advice could you get from someone that you love so much? Like, yeah. Thanks, Dad. (laughs) Shout out to mum and dad. Go, mum and dad. (laughs) Mum and dad give the best advices. And I think if you're you're struggling, just look towards your mum and dad. You know, if you have that support, of course, like... You know, I'm so grateful that I have parents like that. You know, not everybody can say that. So I learn a lot from friendships as well. Like oh, I yeah. Oh, bounce yeah. a lot off friends and what they've been through and how like even with you, you mm. know, like we exchange things and we've got very similar <laughs> things. <laughs> it's been like two weeks. Two that's weeks. so amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then like, you know, that's like my friends that I've met in, in Cairns as well, like – I've got one friend that I'm like, we're the same person. Yeah. We were meant to meet mm-hmm. and we're like soul sisters. Yeah. Dead set. I'm like, yeah. where have you been my entire life? Similar experiences. We're literally reflecting each other. I'll go through something, then she will end up going through it or vice versa. Mm-hmm. And w- there's so much – there's a lot of um, – <sighs> inspiration that can come from being vulnerable and connecting with people vulnerability we haven't talked about we that. haven't and maybe we need to do that. another episode mm. yeah vulnerability yeah that's another topic of another discussion topic. but being vulnerable is how we connect mm-hmm. to people and mm-hmm. there's not a lot of that out there and that's because it's not normalized today it yeah. is to put up a wall it is to not tell anybody too much until I don't know. I don't even yeah, know when. Which is my- why I started my Instagram account, um, Evolve with Jade. It was called mm-hmm. something else before that. But I did start Hit that it up. To, <laughs> um, to be vulnerable because I felt there was such a lack and I was going through a lot of mental health struggles. And um, I was like, you know what? Why can't I be vulnerable? What's the worst that's going to happen? Again, here's my psychologist yeah. talking to me in my head. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm like, screw it. If people don't like me because I'm being vulnerable and I'm triggering them, mm-hmm. that's their problem. Yes, That's exactly. not my problem because I've got something to say mm-hmm. and I'm going to say it because I know that there are so many other people yeah, just said it. Yeah. feeling like it. And I'm sick of feeling Girl. like this. It's horrible. And mm-hmm. I want to break that and I mm-hmm. want to break it down and show, hey, like you can be a good person. You can look like you have it all because yep. I've been told that before. Like mm-hmm. you just look like you're living the life and you've got it all. I'm like, okay, that's really nice that mm-hmm. you think that. Thank you. But yep. you don't know what internal battles I have. Yeah. And I want to voice that because yep. it's not always how it looks. Mm-hmm. And social media is a facade. It's mm-hmm. a – we're showing highlights. Mm-hmm. And so I really try to be vulnerable – yeah. as much as I can mm-hmm. um, when I feel I have the energy to, not all the time. Yeah. Because people relate to that. People exactly. connect to that when you're vulnerable. Yeah. 
I just had to say that. Yeah, no, go that for it, girl. Really, go for yeah, it. I've got. See, I'm loving so this conversation. <laughs> I'm loving this conversation. We could go on for hours longer, but I know that we've been going for quite some time now. Yeah. Um, but thank you so much for coming thank on. You. Evolve with Jade, everyone. <sighs> I hope look her up. Took something out of this. Yeah. No, I'm. I'm so happy yeah, with what good. we're talking about. Talking about spoke about (laughs) um yeah no I'm so excited this is what this podcast is supposed to be all about honestly sharing people's stories either whether we've just met or whoever in the world you know is struggling it's supposed to be community based dance classes guys (laughs) exactly you can meet friends anywhere this podcast is supposed to be community it's supposed to be talking about those conversations that we don't talk about it's about you know learning to accept yourself fully and breaking down those those barriers those walls and really diving deep on that why and you know learning things about yourself and your body and your health this is what it's all about yes. let's do that that poetry oh little what do you call it like little click 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 i don't know what it is I don't know. Either. Anyway, okay. anyway, <laughs> thank you so much for listening, everyone. Yeah, um, thank thank you. you for Jade for coming on. Thanks um, for having me. I'm really excited what else we can bring together and what else we can speak about. But oh, yeah, for today, to <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for today, that is all. Okay, see you Bye. next week. Bye-bye.